Good Sunday to you. Rashini Rajkumar here. Welcome to Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden is off today, but we have a very special guest host. I should say, back by popular demand. Her topic is always one that uh, gets our phones run- ringing off the hook and our text line definitely going. She is Dr. Jenny Leo. She is Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology specializing in general dermatology for adults and children, cutaneous surgery, and has a special interest in dermatologic diseases in patients with skin of color. Dr. Leo, thank you so much for being our guest co-host this morning. Thank you so much for having me back. It was a lot of fun last time. Yes, you're always great to have on, and the questions and the information so wonderful. Phone and text lines are open, folks. You can call us at 651-989-9226 for our special Ask the Dermatologist today. So give us a call, and the doctor will have some answers for you. But I want to ask you something first. As, as we sit here in about the middle of the summer, what are you seeing as far as skin-related conditions that specifically have to do with some of the summer conditions? Oh, I mean, you know, of course, a lot of sunburns. And uh, one of the common misconceptions are, you know, sunscreens obviously are very important, but in a way gives people this kind of false sense of security. And a lot of, um, you know, patients I see are still burning and tanning despite sunscreen use. And that is because we know majority of the time, general population, we do not apply sunscreen enough to get that specific SPF or we don't reapply as often. And that is why you're tanning or burning. And by the way, both signs are signs of skin damage, whether you're tanning or burning. Burning is the more extreme end, of course. Doctor, what is enough and how often should we apply that sunscreen? Yeah, so usually they say an ounce, like a shot glass full of sunscreen for the average adult. So that equates to about like generally most of us just apply on a day-to-day to our head and neck. So that's about a teaspoon. So that's quite a bit. And if you're going to be outside, you know, like actively swimming outside, you're Sunscreen is going to come off. You know, it's going to sweat off, being rubbed off. And so we need to reapply every few hours. Yeah, that, remember, that's, that's a good reminder. Alone isn't, yeah, and sunscreen alone isn't going to give you that 100% protection. So this is where hats, some protective clothing, trying to seek shade, being directly avoiding that direct exposure in the sun as much as possible. All of those things, you know, we call like sun safety habits, really. So when we look at the sun protection in clothing, which I've seen a lot of different brands like Coolio, I mean, uh, many brands out there, are there any tips you have for us so that we know what some clothing line is claiming is actually true sun protection? Yeah, look for the um, um, UPF rating. That is kind of like the sun SPF equivalent. Um, but there are lots of great brands, and a lot of them are very lightweight and breathable and fairly fashionable. So I definitely recommend investing in protective clothing, um, and really that saves you the hassle of needing to reapply all over where you have the clothing so that way you can just focus on areas where you don't, like your neck, your face, maybe your hands and feet. Great advice. We are talking with Dr. Jenny Leo. She is Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology, our special Ask the Dermatologist edition today of Healthy Matters. You can call and text the doctor 651-989-9226 
with your questions. So let's say someone has experienced sunburn in the past and who knows what happened after that. Are they more likely to get some severe sunburn now? Um, so burning is a, it's due to the fact that your skin does not produce enough um, pigment, which is why darker skin individuals don't tend to burn as easily. But each subsequent burn, definitely you're not more protected. Like uh, there's that misconception again, before going on vacation, let me get a baseline tan. That is a misconception because tanning is kind of skin damage. So there is really no quote unquote safe tan and burning again, each repeated burn just adds up the skin damage. What about tanning machines? When I was in high school, I didn't go to one ever. I am brown myself, but a lot of friends did that. My sense is those are not great for us. And are they still around? Yeah, and they are actually significantly more dangerous too. I mean, the sun, but the tanning beds have a lot more concentrated, if you will, of the harmful UV rays that we get from the sun. So it's, it's in a way even worse um, than going out, you know, but both of them are not ideal. Yeah, well, absolutely. We are talking with Dr. Jenny Leo. She is Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology. Dr. Hilden is off today. He'll be back next week for our open line show. But if you have questions today about skin cancer, anything about the skin, you have the expert right here on Healthy Matters to answer those questions. Give us a ring at 651-989-9226. That's also the same number where you can text us. Sunrise, sunburn, sunset, repeat. Moonlight, all night crashing into me. We are back on Healthy Matters. As always, Producer Devin finds the right music for the right time on the right show. And you are listening to Hennepin Healthcare's Healthy Matters. Our special edition today is Ask the Dermatologist. And we have as guest co-host today, Dr. Jenny Leo. She's Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology, specializing in general dermatology for adults and children. You can call us with questions for Dr. Leo at 651-989-9226. You can also text us with your questions. Dr. Leo, we're getting some questions on the text line about skin cancer. First of all, describe what that even is. So skin cancer is um, cancer derived from cells in the skin. The most common are the two we call non-melanoma skin cancer. So these are the top layer of your skin having gone kind of wrong, most commonly from sunburns and sun damage. So commonly seen in fair skin individuals. And these are the basal cell as well as the squamous cell skin cancers. And majority of these are very much treatable and curable. Uh, and then you have the, what we call the melanoma. So this is the one, you know, we all, when we think of skin cancer is what we think about, but in reality, it's actually less common, far less common than the non-melanoma. So than the basals and the squames. And this is derived from those pigment cells that really give us our skin, eye color, hair color. And this is the one that can very much be deadly. And so this is the one that we always really talk about, but the most common are the basals and the squames. 
And a lot of the prevention of that are some of those things you described with the sun screens, the clothing, yeah. staying out of the sun. Those Absolutely. are really the main ways. Yeah, majority by far the biggest risk factor is ultraviolet radiation exposure, tanning bed use. All right, good to know. We've got some calls coming in, and you can call Dr. Jenny Leo on 651-989-9226. Richard is on the line from Mendota Heights. Hi, Richard. Hi. Um, yes, I just have a question about uh, uh, peeling skin uh, or uh, dermatitis on the face that uh, keeps spreading, and it'll uh, sometimes appear in patches. Um, it's very painful to shave and whatnot, and I'm wondering if you have any recommendations as to uh, what I might use uh, to help with something like that. Yeah, so dermatitis of the face, uh, not uncommon, and can be a couple of things. The most effective thing is to see your dermatologist to get the right diagnosis and treatment. Common conditions include eczema and something called seborrheic dermatitis, which when it's in your scalp is considered dandruff. These are very much treatable as well. Um, so the most important thing is getting a proper diagnosis, and often your dermatologist first prescribe a combination of topical medications, both like a topical steroid being the most common to help with inflammation and the redness and the feeling that you're describing. All right. Thanks for that. Thanks for the call, Richard. We have Sue Wool from Wood- Woodbury on the line. Hello, Sue Wool. Hello. Go ahead with your question. Yes, I have Parkinson's disease. And for the last year, I have had real sensitive skin that's getting worse, uh, especially around my neck and my shoulder blades. Uh, when I wear a shirt, for instance, when it hangs on my neck and shoulder blades, the skin is real irritated, and I have, I have not found anything yet that can cure that. Do you have any ideas? And then I missed the first part. You said you have Parkinson's. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what he said, Parkinson's. You know, regardless of the Parkinson's, dysesthesia, so a term that we kind of describe abnormal sensation of the skin, whether that's itching, burning, tangling, can um, be seen, especially as we get older, and that sometimes has to do just with our sensory nerves as we age, and sometimes it's actually pinch when it's coming out of your spinal cord. Uh, the most effective thing, again, is to treat, um, if there's any underlying cause of the skin, like a dermatitis that often presents as red scaly skin, that will be helpful. If not, and your skin is normal and it's just that abnormal sensation, then we rely on medications to treat with that neuropathic dysesthesia. And so often those are best treated with a combination, again, of oral medications and topical medications that can help with those symptoms. Dr. Leo, let's talk about acne because I think a lot of people think of acne as a teenage problem. But adults can definitely have acne. What causes it and what are some of your tips? Absolutely. You know, 30 to 40% of adults will actually carry acne from puberty onto adulthood or report new onset. In fact, I see a lot more adult female that hormonal acne than I do sometimes teenage girls. Um, the pathogenesis of acne is very complex. It involves, you know, kind of clogged pores, our hormones producing more oil, our body kind of generating inflammation. There's bacteria on our skin that digest that oil that can lead to more inflammation. So in that sense, acne is, again, very manageable, treatable, but not curable. And there are a lot of risk factors. You know, we know genetics plays a role, sometimes oily skin, and then also our lifestyle, stress, 
can really induce acne. And some people even say like diet, poor diet, a lot of high sugar con- you know, content food. So the best thing, again, is your dermatologist to make sure that it's number one, not misdiagnosed because there are other things like rosacea that can mimic acne in adults. And two, to treat your acne based on the type that you have. Some people, if it's just clogged pores and blackheads and whiteheads, those are best treated with, you know, like um, exfoliating products or topical retinoids. But if you're acne, more like the red zits and pimples are a little bit more inflamed than sometimes oral antibiotics or sometimes even more oral vitamin A derivatives of um, medications are prescribed. And so, and then for female with hormonal acne, um, you know, often kind of flare around the menses. Then we talk about, um, you know, adding an additional, you know, hormonal treatment to help really curb, curb that component. But there are a lot of great options. It just really depends on your type of acne, your skin. So these are recommendations that your dermatologist can really help with. But acne in adults is very common. We definitely can help, and it's definitely very much treatable and manageable. Right. And it causes a lot of stress for people, especially uh, as you get into the older years and you think you had left that behind in puberty. We have a a lot of calls. Go ahead. You know, sorry, I was going to say like now with masks, a lot of there's even that what we call mask knee. So either the mask, you're making your pre-existing acne worse or inducing new onset of acne in people that never had it before because of that friction and the humidity um, and that breakdown of your skin barrier. So we see, we've been seeing this a lot in our, especially in our healthcare workers. So again, very much treatable. So see your dermatologist, we can definitely help. Well, good to hear. And uh, Dr. Leo also always gives comforting advice. That's why we love having her on Healthy Matters. You can call her today, 651-989-9226 for our Ask the Dermatologist show. Bonnie's on the line from Lakeville. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Um, my question is, I just uh, recently um, had a biopsy and just found out that I have squamous cell uh, cancer on my face. And I just wanted to know what I should expect on my treatment. I meet with the surgeon uh, on Friday this week, and I just wanted to find out what, what I should expect. In general, it sounds like you're undergoing what's called most micrographic surgery. This is a recommended treatment for head and neck, um, skin cancer on the head and neck. Um, and usually this involves kind of staged approach. So the surgeon will go in, cut out that skin cancer, and then kind of bandage you back up. And while you're waiting, he will, he or she will process that specimen, look under the microscope, and then only go back to where there is still cancer left. So in a way, the cure rate is very, very high, but also it's very much tissue sparing, which is why we love it for the head and neck area on places where we don't have a lot of skin to um, to spare to work with. All right. Wow. Well, we have more callers on hold. They're going to have to wait through the break. So hang on with us, callers. If you want to ask Dr. Leo a question, give us a ring, 651-989-9226. We also have some text questions coming in, some interesting ones, Dr., connected with COVID and possible hair loss. So we'll get to that when Healthy Matters returns. (laughs) 
We are back on Healthy Matters, Ask the Dermatologist Day. Dr. Hilton is off. He'll be back next Sunday with open lines. But my guest co-host today is Dr. Jenny Leo. She is Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology, specializing in general dermatology for adults and kids, cutaneous surgeries, and also has a special interest in dermatologic diseases in patients with skin of color. If you have questions for her, call us, 651-989-9226. That will get you into the phone lines, or if you want to text, use that same number. Todd has been waiting patiently in Lakeville. Hi, Todd. Uh, Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, Just have a question on cellulitis. During the last five years, four of those years, I have gotten the cellulitis in my left lower leg, uh, and it's always been in the same spot, and it's been within a month, you know, each year during that time. And it just seems kind of odd that I keep getting it in the same place. So cellulitis is a superficial infection of the skin. And um, interestingly, each subsequent infection can increase the, um, what we call lymphatic blockage. So there, it can cause damage in the blood flow and the lymph drainage, which actually predisposes you to more subsequent infections. Um, so that is actually a very well-known phenomenon. Now, other triggers or risk factors for cellulitis would be like, you know, skin or break of your skin. So, you know, if you have underlying dermatitis or what we call stasis, swelling of your lower legs, um, all those things should be addressed. Even like athlete's foot, that can be a skin barrier breakdown, could be a potential port of entry for bacteria. So these things should um, be evaluated by your dermatologist to hopefully minimize these recurrences for you. All right. Wow. Great questions coming in from our listeners today. Call us at 651-989-9226. Dr. Leo is uh, giving some great information. Jerry is on the line from Owatonna. Hi, Jerry. Well, good morning. Yeah, I got two questions. One's about a skin tags. What causes skin tags? And also, I get things on my skin and I can scrape them off. They're kind of bumps and scrape them off. And then they uh, might bleed and they might not. What are those? Oh, I'll just sit and listen. Thank you. Yeah, so you are probably describing two of the most common benign skin findings. Skin tags is, um, can be genetic, but we also often see it in areas like the neck, armpits, and areas of friction, and you know, it's associated with diabetes. Um, the good news is we can't prevent them from coming on, but they're very much treatable. The second, um, I think what you're describing is something called a seborrheic keratosis. These are benign age spots. And I would say we do skin checks day in and day out. And everybody has a few kind of starting in our 20s. And it, again, has to do, there's a lot of genetics to them. We don't actually know why they come on. But again, very much benign, treatable. Um, your dermatologist can help with that. All right. Many calls are coming in, so get those in before we have to say goodbye to Dr. Leo. 651-989-9226. Sue is on the line from South Haven. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Uh, I have a question for the doctor. Um, I have a history of melanoma um, about seven years ago, and I have developed, I'm seen by a dermatologist every six months, and it's not quite time for my, my checkup, but I've developed on my lower lip a patch of white, um, dry skin, 
Um, it's about an inch or more long, and it's been there over three weeks. And I just am concerned if I should, uh, what that could possibly be, or if I should move up my appointment. Um, that's my question. So white patches on the lips, you know, obviously we always worry about skin cancer, especially if you're a smoker and bottom lip is a common area of sun exposure. Um, you know, I, I would definitely make sure to see a dermatologist for that appointment. You know, I would be more concerned if it was bleeding, tender or growing fast. Um, but you can also get benign things like sometimes trauma or like a contact dermatitis. I think, you know, without being able to see it, it's hard for me to tell you. But the most important thing is to follow up with your dermatologist and have that evaluated properly. Okay. Nancy is on the line from Wilmer. We're getting uh, hellos from all parts of the state today, which is great. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Um, I I was I had a sore and it didn't heal for two months. I finally got an appointment with a dermatologist. They're extremely busy here, and um, she I did have a biopsy, but she isn't able to do a Mohs procedure on my shin for about nine until nine weeks. Is that a is that too long to wait? Of course, I'm nervous and want it taken care of right away, but um, I'm nine weeks out. Is that a problem at all? It's a squamous cell carcinoma. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's, you know, most of the dermatology clinics are booked out. I would say, you know, I would just defer to your dermatologist's recommendation. Obviously, that, you know, we want, we all wanted to have it cut out as soon as possible. And it really depends on kind of the depth and how, how deep the squamous cell is. I would say typically, though, um, like, one to two months is the period where we try to get people in. If it was a melanoma, we definitely wouldn't want to wait that long. But that is not um, atypical. Um, and again, something I would defer to your dermatologist um, to um, when it comes to treating and excising it. You can also text Dr. Jenny Liu to Leo today. She is uh, reachable at our text line at 651-989-9226. Here's a really interesting question, doctor. This listener says, I have been experiencing hair loss, hair shedding over the last three weeks. I have had COVID and red. This has been a side effect. Have you heard of this? Is there anything I can do? Yes. So, not just due to COVID, but, you know, if you had a major illness, major surgery, major stressor, you know, personally, you know, that all of that can lead to hair loss. So this is not specific to COVID, but definitely if you're really sick from COVID, like if you were really sick from the flu, this will lead to hair loss. And often the hair shedding is three months delayed after that stressful trigger. But often the good news is um, once your body recovers, that your hair shedding will stop and hopefully all of that will grow back. But again, there will be a delay in that process unless the whatever's triggering it is keep, is, is chronic. Um, with that, you may get more chronic shedding or just overall thinning of hair loss hair. Dr. Jenny Liu has a wonderful Instagram page. Um, you can find it. You can type in her name, Dr. Jenny Leo, but it's at Derm Period Talk, Derm.talk on Instagram. She has 145,000 followers, which is amazing. Uh, Dr. Leo, can you tell us about kind of your vision for this page? Because it's really helpful, it's fun, it's interesting. Uh, thank you. I really don't have any goals. It's more just like a personal hobby. <laughs> 
I started back uh, in residency. I wanted to just kind of showcase dermatology, what I did, um, you know, as a female in medicine. Has just really taken off after with COVID, people not being able to reach a dermatologist. So on there, I like to share my, you know, skincare product reviews, talk about skincare tips, um, and, you know, just dermatology conditions in general, and really try to offer evidence-based information because there's just so much information out there, um, a lot of confusion and misinformation. What I love about your Instagram page, Dr. Leo, is that you can tell you have a sense of humor. Sometimes all these skin things can be uh, really complicated, sometimes sad, but you really seem to be trying to give good information in a fun way, in a real approachable way. Thank you. That means a lot. I just appreciate that so much. So go find her on Instagram, derm.talk. Dr. Jenny Leo's page. All right, some text questions coming in. This person says, I'm 75 within the last few years. It seems like every time I bump or rub against something, I bleed. Any suggestions? Yeah, that is, again, something we see um, as we get older because of aging. We lose more tissue and fat from our skin, so our skin becomes more fragile and there's less protection around those blood vessels, so we're able, so, you know, it is more easily traumatized. You know, the most important thing is just trying to be mindful of protecting your um, skin. There are certain creams that you could use. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention brands that could help with the bruising. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, there is something called Dermamend. Um, it's D E R M A. Uh, and then I guess I have to look up the actual to spell it, but it's a brand that has just a concoction of vitamin A, which is an ingredient that can help with skin thickening and help can um, other ingredients that basically help to soothe and help to thicken the skin. And then, you know, kind of a moderate way, it's never, it's not going to get your skin from, you know, kind of that old wrinkly skin to some, like some babies kind of plump skin, but in a way, it is one of the products I found to be helpful in my elderly patients. Um, but, you know, wearing protective sleeves, that's, that's another way. And, you know, individuals who are on blood thinners are like, more likely to, you know, bruise in general. And so just protection and, you know, a good moisturizer to keep your skin healthy. And, and is that, of course, mm-hmm. is that Dermament, is that a prescription or is that over the counter? No, you can buy it. Well, you can buy it in drugstores and drugstores and definitely on Amazon. I've seen it. Quick question, doctor, about those prescription. I mean, you see commercials, I feel like for rosacea, I see a lot of commercials. How do you know if, you know, first of all, I guess maybe your doctor is going to prescribe it, but how do you know what's right for you? Because they do these flashy commercials, and I think that sometimes there's some misinformation out there about prescriptions. Exactly. I mean, your dermatologist will be the one to say and to tell, assess and properly treat. You know, we're coming out with new medications all the time and often in a way um, better, more efficacious, targeted with less side effects. But again, newer doesn't always mean it's better or it's the, the one for you. So seeing your birth certified dermatologist is really going to make a world of a difference. All right, we have one more segment with Dr. Jenny Leo. She is Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology. So if you have questions in these next few minutes, get them in, call us, text us, 651-989-9226. 
We are back. Rashini Rajkumar with you, along with our guest co-host, Dr. Jenny Leo. She is Hennepin Healthcare's Chief of Dermatology. Dr. David Hilden on vacation today, much deserved. He will be back next Sunday, and we'll have open lines, so you can join us next Sunday at 7 a.m. But now, get in your final question, 651-989-9226. And Devin, I understand you have a question for the good doc. Yeah, um, I was just uh, wondering about moles and when you should uh, some signs or when it's a good time to get them checked out. My dad recently, he had some moles that were growing and finally he went to a dermatologist and it's a good thing he did because some of them seem to be kind of dangerous. I didn't get too in depth with with him and his moles, but uh, just wondering when a good sign is or what some signs are in a good time to get those checked out. So, you know, I, each dermatologist is going to have their own recommendation, but I recommend individuals in their 30s and 40s to have at least a baseline skin check at some point in their life in that time period, especially if, number one, you've had a lot of sunburns, too, there is a family history of melanoma or what we call dysplastic or atypical moles that have been removed. Um that is kind of the general recommendation. Obviously, if there's anything that has been growing and changing really fast, that looks just really abnormal, we call that the ugly duckling sign. So something that really stands out, doesn't look quite right like your other moles, and that definitely should be checked out sooner rather than later. Okay, doctor, let's get through some texts here. We Maybe we'll go into a bit of a fire round so we can get questions answered. Uh, I hope I'm saying this right. This is how it's spelled anyway vitiligo problem what really causes it what treatments are available are there special clothes or sunscreen i think vitiligo that is an autoimmune condition where your body basically is attacking your skin color is essentially what michael jackson had so you lose your skin color and you have no pigment it is autoimmune so there's often a genetic tendency um and so the best treatment would be prescription medications and sometimes both therapy and then strip some protection because you don't have any skin color cells in there so your your skin will burn and it, it, there is a high risk of skin cancer developing in those areas Listener called in, didn't want to go on the air, but wonders how can you prevent bed sores? Oh, that's a tough one. So, um, you know, making sure the skin is healthy with a good emollient and then kind of just offloading pressure every few hours to minimize that pressure on the skin and minimizing the breakdown on the skin. All right, doctor, the texts are just flying in. Let's do a bit of a fire round. We've got about three, three and a half minutes. Uh, right, this person says, yeah, let's do it. The cause and cure for toe fungus. Um, best thing is oral terbenafine antifungal pills um, prescribed by a dermatologist. And what causes toe fungus? You know, there is a genetic, again, less genetic tendency and then just kind of trauma into your foot. Um, maybe spread, got it from a, some, you know, like an unclean nail clipper. It's, it's hard to say. I would say for my female patients, you know, I say manicure, getting it, man, getting your feet pedicures, you know, um, when the instruments are not properly sanitized is a very common in my female patients, young female patients. And even those men, I mean, get a pedicure, guys. Yeah. It, it's a yeah. world of difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. This texture, any suggestions for heel cracks? Um, I love just 
patulatum, so the that you know um, that goopy ointment um, under occlusion every night after soaking your feet when it's still damp, and doing that continuously. Otherwise, a moisturizer with like ammonium lactate or urea can be helpful to soften the skin, so that way it's less likely to crack. Can diet affect skin care and acne? Absolutely. You know, diet, it, um, especially pro-inflammatory, so um, sugar is one of the biggest things um, can really just is inflammatory. And there is controversy, but some people would argue, you know, dairy could be, again, can drive acne. Um, Associations, not causes. So just because you remove that from your diet, it doesn't mean that your acne will get better, but can definitely just be something to consider if your acne treatment isn't, isn't going as well as you hope. One person says, what are the best skin serums in your opinion for women over 55? Okay, am I allowed to say my personal favorite? Absolutely. <laughs> my, my personal favorite is a vitamin C serum from SkinCeuticals. They're CE-Furulic. That is by far the most studied and evidence-based vitamin C. And that is just kind of what I use regularly, and that's what I recommend to my patients. And I'll add to that, this is one that I discovered in February, and it has been amazing. It is a skin serum by Bella Virtue Organics, and you can just go to bellavirtueorganics.com and find that. But both those tips from me and the doc uh, hopefully will give you some some help. All right, this is interesting to the bed sores. Someone's suggesting this home remedy, sleep on sheepskin for bed sores. What do you say to that, doctor? <laughs> there are a lot of... Um, kind of home remedies. I would say nothing has really been proven for that, but I think you're more than welcome to try because you know the help. Yes, whatever makes you happy, right? Uh, what's the best way to treat dark spots? Really depends on what. Um, but strict sun protection and then a topical retinoid can help and then using um, lightening agents like kojic acid, you know, hydroquinone prescribed by your dermatologist. Um, um, licorice, all of those things are helpful. But again, a lot of ingredients available. The most important thing is sunscreen and getting on a proper regimen given to you by your dermatologist. Absolutely. Okay, final question. Should everyone have a skincare routine, maybe before bed or uh, is it at night? I think so, yes. And this has to be complicated because cleansing, moisturizing, sunscreen, are those, those are the basics that everyone should be doing, not just for like cosmetic purposes or anti-aging, but just to keep your skin healthy. Uh, so those kind of the basics, cleansing, moisturizing, and then sunscreen in the morning. Three very good tips, and I would say one of the best things, pieces of advice a makeup artist gave to me when I was back in my 20s starting my television news career was to have an eye cream, and I do that night and day, a really light kind of eye cream, and that has made a a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jenny Leo, the time just flies. You're fabulous. You can find her on Instagram, derm.talk. Lots of great tips and videos there. And then what's a big tip you have for everyone? No matter what we do, what should we all do for our skin? Sunscreen. Doesn't matter your skin tone, skin color. You know, sunscreen is by far the most important thing we can do because when it comes to skin cancer or aging, the sun is the biggest risk factor. And aging, skin cancer, all of that is better prevented than it's really not truly reversible. So Absolutely. All right. So that's it for Healthy Matters today. We'll be back with Dr. Hilden next Sunday, 7 a.m.